furlong. All of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Clock hour of the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. Schedule release for the NFL tonight, but by the time they release this thing, my guess is all 32 teams will have answered the question of when. Because the question of who and where has been answered since January for the 272 NFL games scheduled for next season. But the win of it all, the NFL makes a whole celebration out of it. They own the headlines with it, and it's only a reminder that the NFL is king. Here we are in May in the day, and the sports headlines have a number of things from baseball to softball to NBA playoffs, but a big one, the NFL. And as far as the Saints go, Based on leaks and reporting from Nick Underhill, among others, the bulk of more than half of the Saints schedule is already is already known. Lots of leaks. And it's eight o'clock in the morning. Week one, week two, week three. Week 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 11, 12, 13, 16. Of the, 16, uh, the 17 games on the same schedule, all but five we know of when they're going to be. Most of these... From Nick Underhill, a few of these already reported prior to today, like week four uh, in London against the Vikings. Saints open at the Falcons. Week two versus the Bucks. Week three at Carolina, as I suspected. Week four in London. Week five at home against Seattle. Week six at home against the Bengals. Week seven, short week on the road, Thursday night football at Arizona. Week 8, TBD. Or TBA, rather. You already know. We just hadn't been a leak yet. Week 9, Ravens. Monday night football. Week 10, TBA. Week 11, at home against the Rams. Week 12, at San Francisco. 325 kickoff. Week 13, December 5th. Monday night football at Tampa Bay. Week 14, bye. The Saints' bye week is on December 11th, late in the season, which isn't a bad time to have it, depending on how your season's shaking out. Week 15, TBA. Week 16, a Saturday. Why? It's Christmas Eve at Cleveland against the Browns. And that's fine. Yeah, it's going to be really cold in Cleveland, but... 
You get if you're someone that goes to Saints games, you don't have to travel on Christmas Eve. Week 17 and week 18, January 1, January 8, T-B-A. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it's early. Scott at ESPNLafayette.com is the email address. Derek emails. Scott, is there any reason why the Saints don't have a bye week after the London game? I thought every team got bye weeks after they had to travel overseas. Yeah, the NFL doesn't have any bye weeks with the 17 games, uh, with the 18 week schedule and the 17 game season. Teams don't have any bye weeks until week six. So because the London game comes early in the season, they couldn't technically do it. It's always great when you have to answer 100 emails while on the air. I like these emails, like the one Derek sent. I'm talking about work-related emails. Can you do this? Can you do that? No, guys, I'm doing a show right now. Sorry. (sighs) Um, Here's another email. Carl. Scott, I hear you bagging on Tom Brady as if you think he's going to be a bad broadcaster. What gives? I didn't say that. Wasn't bagging on it at all. I, I, I have no idea if Brady will be a good broadcaster or not. I think if he is the tightened up, buttoned up, New England Patriot Tom Brady, then he'd be boring. I think if you have the more loose, um, you know, Super Bowl boat riding, having a little tequila-esque Tom Brady. No, I'm not insinuating you go call games drunk. I'm saying Tom Brady, since he's gotten to Tampa Bay, big publicist team, social media team is doing stuff. It's funny. But he... My my point isn't whether he'll be good or not. I have no idea if he'll be good or not. My point is, I, I don't know why anyone would pay someone $37.5 million a year to call games. But they're getting it. The agents are working hard. You get the most marquee player ever if you're Fox. It gives you some sizzle. But again, are you watching games because of who's calling the game? Or are you watching because of who's playing in it? Did you watch Boston-Milwaukee last night in the NBA playoffs? Did you watch UL and Rice when you should have been listening or at least having your radio synced up to the audio? Because of who's... Co- no, you're watching because it's your team. That's my point. That's my point. 337-269-1077. NBA playoffs, we'll get into that a little bit more with Seth Lewis coming up here in a few minutes. Boston-Milwaukee last night. What a game. Boston had that thing, man. They had it. They had a nice lead in the fourth quarter. Milwaukee outscores them by a dozen in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it, what an incredible game. Honestly, Drew Holiday late in the game with two gigantic defensive plays. He was plus 14 when he was on the floor last night. 
I mean, Boston has the lead, 105 to 99 with 141 left. And Giannis comes down, bang, nails a three-pointer. Then Boston misses. Then they can't get a rebound. Then Marcus Smart turns it over after Giannis steal. Then Drew Holiday, bang, three-pointer. Uh-oh. Here we are, 37 seconds left, tie game. Tatum makes his free throws. Giannis gets to the line, makes the first, misses the second. Bobby Portis gets the rebound. Now Milwaukee's up just like that. All the pressure's on Boston. They're at home. It's a pivotal game five. In playoff series, best of seven. The team that wins game five wins the series 83% of the time. Here you go. Inbounds ball. They're trying to get it to Jason Tatum. The play is drawn up for Jason Tatum. They can't get it to Jason Tatum. Why? Because the defense is so good. So they give it to Marcus Smart, who does. He's getting ripped for it. He does what he's supposed to do. There's a lane to the basket. He drives to the basket. Drew comes off of his man, runs over, take gets enough height off of his jump to take the ball out of Marcus Smart, out of his hands as he's going up for a shot, and then as Drew's falling out of bounds, bang it off a of Smart's chest, out of bounds. Now Milwaukee's got the ball and a one-point lead with less than six seconds left. I'm checked that. 6.6 seconds left. Pat Connington gets fouled, makes two free throws. Boston's got the ball, down three, six seconds to get down the floor. Marcus Smart's dribbling. Guess who? Drew Holiday, steal, clean, steal, ball game. Without Chris Middleton, Milwaukee is reminding everybody that they are the defending NBA champions. The f- Name another team in the NBA that could get as far as they are right now without their second-to-best player and an all-star like they have in Middleton. Oh, well, Phoenix, they didn't have Devin Booker for a while. He was their best. They didn't have him for a couple of games. I'm talking about Milwaukee hadn't had Middleton the entire postseason. Multi-time all-star, gold medalist, the guy that when Giannis doesn't have it, and Drew, you know, Drew has some games where he's, his offense isn't there. It was there last night, but his defense, always there always on time, and did it in the big time last night. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. Seth Lewis of KTC TV3. Man watches the NBA playoffs like he's watching, like a coach watches film, man. We'll talk to him about that. Same schedule leaks. NFL schedule release, Diamond Sports, and more. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3. and Get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app.
into the great Scott show. Joining me now from KATC TV, three sports director Seth Lewis on the road, hard at work, seizing the day. Good morning, man. What's going on? Good morning, man. How you doing? Good, man. Good. It's been a minute since I had you on. I know how busy you've been, and I also know you stay up watching the NBA playoffs like a coach watches film. You're watching it very <laughs> intently. Uh, my first question, it's not even really uh, NBA playoff or, or UL or LSU or Saints related. I'm having one of those mornings where, um, you know, individuals at work keep texting me or emailing me or telling me things through the glass. And, like, I, I guess some of them just don't understand hosting a solo sports talk radio show on your own in the morning. Like, hey, guys, I'm trying to do something here. What's it like in TV, Seth, when, it, like, what's the most distracted you've been by someone that just maybe just didn't appreciate that you were trying to, hey, I, I got a live shot here, man. Come on. Yeah, I I don't know about that. I have to think about it. But in relation to that, I, I was just telling uh, maybe Jamarcus the other day about how uh, it's always funny to me, like, people that have been friends with me my entire career, like my entire life, essentially, but especially my entire career in the broadcast business, like our shows are at 6 and 10. And like sometimes, like one of my friends calls me at 5.30 at least once a week, and it's like, dude, I have a show in 30 minutes. (laughs) I can't talk right now. There's a certain time in the day when it's kind of crunch time before I go on. And so uh, that's the first thing I thought of when you said that, was that uh, sometimes people that you're cool with and that kind of know your schedule still will call you like right before you're uh uh it's time to really go to work <laughs> so uh yeah no that's that, that's funny I- ESPN uh, Lafayette, the best ticket. I think I'm just going to come across the street tonight and just when you when you when you start your new, I'm just going to be in there like asking you questions or knocking, you know, I can't say knocking on the glass. It's not behind glass. I've been in there. Just something. I'll just be in the background, like, hey Seth, I need an answer to this right now. Um, Scott, I'm trying to recap what happened on the diamond. Can you please STF? I mean, I, I'm just there's a part of you that's like, I'm trying to work here. Nah, there was a uh, there was a time, and it's we'll go well beyond this. And it wasn't at KGC. I want to I want to make sure. But I th- I've gotten an argument with settlements uh, with like somebody on the set, and it was like, hey, I got a sportscast in like thirty seconds. Can we continue this in like three minutes? Like, no, seriously. So it it <laughs> it happens. Uh, it, it definitely happens. <laughs> All right, so. Um, defense happens when Drew Holiday plays. The Boston-Milwaukee series has been, I think, at least games three, four, and five have been the best playoff games of the postseason that didn't involve the Pelicans, for me personally. I mean, I, I was really into the Pels-Phoenix series for obvious reasons. But just, just as a spectator of the other games, man, you know, game one and two were kind of lopsided, but the last three in this the pressure, the like, like late in games, a single play here or there, how the game turns. I mean, Milwaukee's up with under two minutes by six points, and you know, 141 left. They're cruising, but Giannis and Drew had other plans, man. And it felt like, am I? I, I, I look, Boston has shown a resilience without question, but it felt like Milwaukee won the series last night. I know it's only three games to two, but it felt that big late in that game. 
that big. So, for one, yeah, games one and two result-wise, they have not been, like, as good. But, like, there's argument to the fact that, like, the Bucks blew uh, game two, I guess. Like, there was, there was a time when they were up by a decent margin, and then the, uh, the Celtics kind of walked them down. And, uh, I'm having trouble remembering game one as of right now, but, like, that one, I believe, just kind of got out of hand in the second half fourth. This is a series, like, this series, it probably should be the Eastern Conference Finals. It probably could be outside of it being in the East. Like, this, these two teams are good enough to where, like, these are NBA Finals caliber teams. Like, this is an NBA Finals caliber series, essentially. And so I say that to say, when it's not that, a game like this feels like the swing. And I mean, you look at game five last year in the NBA Finals, uh, who comes up with the steal, the, uh, the lob, to Giannis, and then it was good night Irene in game six because Giannis went for 50. And, and maybe that's what's to come. But I can't count the Celtics out just yet because of how good defensively uh, they continue to be throughout the series. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they won a game six. But for Milwaukee to win this series, their best chance was winning last night and having uh, two games to win one. But, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, but Drew Holiday, sometimes he can be a little bit of a sour patch kid. And, I mean, he can be sour and he can be sweet. Like, some of the shots that Drew takes on offense can be like, what? Like, what is he doing? But then, sometimes on offense, but all the time on defense, it's just like, I mean, he's the best, he's the best perimeter defender in the league and the best defender in the league for my money. Yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, but it was Drew's defense art, you know, Drew's defense on him late. A lot of people are, are, are dogging Marcus Smart like, man, you're trying to play hero ball, you're trying to do this. Guys, I don't think Boston designed to play to get it to him. I think the defense has something to do with it. They know they want to get it to Jason Tatum, right? So they're all over him. And when Smart got it, oh, Brown was open. I mean, Smart had an open lane to the basket. I feel like he was doing what he was supposed to. And from Milwaukee's standpoint, they could have been like, well, let's let him get there because we still have time. Drew just made an incredible individual play. I mean, he comes over off his man, jumps up without fouling, swipes it from him in the air, then bangs it off his chest. And then, you know, after two Connaughton free throws, steals it from Smart to seal it. Uh, Holiday just stole that game from Boston late. And, of course, Giannis, 40 points. I mean, he was he was tremendous. But that was just, I, I think, look, because of the playoffs, it's easy to bag on guys or claim they're trying to do this, they're trying to do that. Sometimes, man, you just got to credit the other team. Marcus Smart made the right play. That's like, I agree. Marcus Smart got open. He had an open baseline. So, like, as soon as he caught it, I was like, oh, he should drive. Because sometimes a player in Marcus Smart's position might hold off and try to get it to um, one of your stars, try to get it to Tatum or Brown. But he really didn't make the right play. And they trust him to do that. They trust him to go baseline and, and make a layup, like you said. Drew just made a great individual. That wasn't even Drew's real read on that. Because, like, at the 
um, Connaughton deserves some credit too because, like, uh, you take uh, the LeBron block uh, in the NBA Finals that everybody, uh, you know, savers over, and rightfully so. But like, J.R. Smith had to slow him down in order to allow him to get there for the block. You know what I'm saying? Like, so Connaughton, like, kind of getting in his way allowed Drew to get over and get his uh, hand on the ball, which, I mean, Scott, uh, the fact that he saved it, <laughs> saved the inbounds, and then threw it off of Marcus, I mean, that just, that was incredible. But, I, I just, uh, I love great defense in, in clutch moments yeah. because – Defenders, look, understandably so, you might get, we talk about offensive players getting tight. Look, defensively, guys don't want to foul late. They're they're, they're trying to be extra cautious, and so maybe they're not playing with as much, reckless abandon is the wrong phrase because it makes it sound like, you know, they're they're being irresponsible with it, but they're they're just playing a little tighter. They're not playing as loose as, look, I'm going to go all out on defense because they're worried about the foul. Drew's not even thinking about it, man. He's just out there making the plays, and I, I, I think I think Milwaukee's got this series, which you know leads me to my next question about the Bucks. Is there another team in this postseason that could do what Milwaukee's done without their second best player, who is also an All Star and an Olympic gold medalist and a crucial part of what they do in Chris Middleton? Like, take the second best player off of the other teams that are still in the postseason. Could they get to this point without them? And I know, look, I know I know Embiid missed some time. I know Morant's missed some games. I know that Devin Booker missed a few games. But none of those guys have missed the entire postseason. And I don't think that outside, I think Phoenix will advance. And, and, and they've had Booker this whole series against Dallas. But, you know, I don't think Philly's going to advance. I don't think Memphis is going to advance, though. I will give them credit. We'll talk about it in a minute for what they did last night. Like, I, I, I think there is a championship pedigree to Milwaukee that deserves a lot of credit here because I don't know any other team that could get to this point. And look, Middleton, at some point, they're likely going to get them back, but it's going to depend on how far they get. To, I don't think there's another team. You take away their second-to-best player that could be in the position this postseason that Milwaukee is in right now, and they're, they don't even have home court advantage in this series. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Uh, full stop. Um, Giannis is the best player in the NBA because you can lose your second best player. And this says a lot about Giannis's growth. Uh, I always credit Giannis for the fact that he's the first superstar that I've ever seen grow up in the middle of a playoff run. Like, usually... Um, players need the offseason to add things to their game or to figure it out uh, proverbially or however you want to say it. But, like, he figured it out in the middle of the playoff run last year. Like, hey, James, James Harden is guarding me in the post. That shouldn't be happening. And by the time he got to the Hawks and then obviously to the Suns, it was a different Giannis. Um, and he's just taking that to another level this year, too. And so... I agree with you. I don't. I don't think. I think the Suns may be the closest thing, but we saw what the Suns looked like without Devin Booker. They were good. Um, they were able to beat the Pelicans, uh, and obviously Booker came back for, uh, for the last game. Um, so they were good. They were able to beat the Pelicans um, and be, be competitive. But you also had a game where Chris Paul had four points. Like your best player can't have four points. Um, and survive. And that's not a knock on Chris Paul. I mean, obviously, uh, Herb and, and Jose was on him all night, uh, pestering him. But, like, 
not happening to Giannis, <laughs> essentially. Um, and that's ultimately what it comes down to, is that Giannis has ascended into this place of being the best player in the NBA. And I don't even know, like, he maybe was that when he won MVP. I would argue maybe against it. But, like, he is for sure that now the best player in the NBA. So, um, I, and I'd be interested to know uh, your thoughts. Cause, so, with, with me and a couple of buddies, we talk about, like, who can win a title, right? Like, coming to this round, I believe, I was believing that five teams still had a chance, like, still were legitimately contenders. And the and then we ranked them, too. So, it was like, uh, I had the Suns ranked first. Like, that would be my favorite. And then I had the Bucks second, but the Celtics was third for me uh, on that list. And then it was the Warriors and the Heat. Those are the other two teams um, that I thought had a chance to win a title. What do you how would you do, do you think that many teams have a chance to win the title? I, I'm just I'm not as high on Boston as you. Um and and but I would say that before the Memphis Golden State series started and Morant was playing, I had Memphis probably at, so I had Phoenix one like you. Uh I I, I have Golden State second. Uh, if, and I'm not trying to be in the... I'm trying to go back before this round started. I'm not trying to be a prisoner at the moment. I would have had Golden State second, Milwaukee third, um, and then probably Memphis fourth and Miami fifth, and then Boston. But I don't... I, I'm not really... But I really... I look at Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Golden State as the teams, the only teams that I think can win a title. Now, having said that, I mean, Golden State, you know... <laughs> I mean, Memphis. Yeah. See, the Memphis Golden State series, it's not like the. It's weird because the games haven't been great, and yet the series has been entertaining. But I think that's the power of the playoffs whenever the animosity begins to set in in a series and teams really start to hate each other. It's, I think it's great, right? It brings an element of sort of just drama to a game that whenever they're up by 39 and they're playing whoop that trick and they're letting Golden State have it, I think for Golden State, you know, Steph Curry pointed out last night, um, last year, Milwaukee lost a game by 39 in the playoffs, right? They made adjustments. I think for I think we're going to learn in the next game whether Golden State is a true title contender, how they respond to that. You know, they, they went in there. You have Curry, Green, Thompson still in the core, still looking good uh, for a team that is down 3-1 and without their best player, and you got absolutely embarrassed. I mean, that's their words, not mine. Embarrassed. Just demolished. But they have so much championship pedigree between those three guys that I and, and, and bear in mind, I don't really root for Golden State at the moment anymore. They're not a team I would be rooting for from this point on. But I think we see in game six if they have that championship ilk, right? I, I, that The real answer comes in how they respond. And if they win game six, I won't be surprised. And they advance Philly. I just think MB's injuries, I, I, I think it's just too much for them to get all the way there this year. Dallas, you know, you've got Luka. You don't have enough outside of that to do anything. In Memphis, I, I I think there's some dogs. I love them, but just Morant's injury. I mean, I can't I can't put them there. Boston, great defensive team. I question the offensive firepower. Do they have enough of it? And that's why for me, it's 
Phoenix, Golden State, Milwaukee. And having said all of that, Seth, that brings me back to my question to you. I'm guilty of this as much as the next guy, but Miami is the most underappreciated, disrespected team in the playoffs and maybe the most un- one of the most disrespected, underappreciated one seeds of all time. That this ain't this ain't like when the Hawks were a one seed. This is they're better than that. It's it, it's it, and they were in the finals a few years ago. But people say, oh well, it was the bubble. It was this. It was that. Right. But Miami, I, I I should be giving them enough credit. Why am I not taking them serious as a legit contender? That's why. <laughs> 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 that's, yeah, that's why. You, they're starting backcourt right now because because uh, Kyle Lowry is hurt. Is Gabe, uh, Gabe Vincent and Max Trust. There's no disrespect to them, or maybe it is. I don't know. But like the fact that those dudes are like guys that they depend on in their rotation would make me question them. As I mean, and again, look, I think they can win a title. They just fit. They're fifth. They, like they would. They are the team that I feel is fifth likely to win an NBA championship. Um, and it's important because of the respect I have for Milwaukee and for Boston. And as I, you know, like with Boston, yeah, the Nets were discombobulated and no chemistry and all that stuff. To sweep them and to make Kevin Durant look the way that he did, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Number one defensive team in the, in, um, in the league. And then... I wasn't a big believer of Boston coming into this year. I, I, I was almost ready for them to bring it up. But they share the ball really well. Um, and sometimes they get, in the, get back into their bad habits. But in general, they have become a better team at sharing the ball. And so I believe, in, in turn, I believe in their offense a little bit more because they last year they never got easy baskets. Every basket was tough. Every basket was contested. Uh, all of the threes and, and long twos and whatnot that Taylor and Brown take. But now they actually work the ball around and get easy shots. And good and for, uh, for Tatum and for Brown, but obviously they have to dig themselves uh, out of the hole. When it comes to the Warriors, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> uh, in, in that same group chat, I was like, man, again, with the Warriors being fourth on my list, I'm like, man, the Warriors are closer to the Heat for me than they are Celtics. Because when it comes to the Warriors, like, you know, they talk about don't play with your food in, in, uh, in basketball. Like, you know, when you got food in front of you, when uh, Luka Doncic has a Rudy Gobert guarding it, that's food for him. That's lunch. Like, he's going to eat that all day, every day. Man, the Warriors have played with their food for two games, essentially. They really should have lost game four, too. And what Memphis, which is part of the reason why I didn't believe in them as a contender, obviously Jai's out, and like that, that hurt something. They play just so wild and And I think it's a lot of times it's not. Long, like, just kind of in the Bulls uh, uh, three Bulls did it much better than them as far as going you're kind of breaking up there, Seth. Hang on one second. Um, I think you're in a better spot now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, so my point is, like, when the Warriors were the Warriors, you know what I mean? Like, when they were, like, a juggernaut. Sure. They would blow this team out by 30 points. 
You know what I mean? Because they would know, hey, there's blood in the water. Like, that team, when there was blood in the water, like... They don't seem to have the killer instinct they used to have, to your point. I, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. Um, they don't. That's and, scary. And, and that's, you know, before the playoffs started, I said my, that my, my prediction was that it, the finals would be a repeat of last year's finals. I thought we'd see Milwaukee and Phoenix again, and I didn't know that that would excite people. I still feel that way. Um, you know, you mentioned Miami. They're just they're so beat up. And the Warriors, while I, while I put them... Uh, behind Phoenix on the list, I I don't I think the killer instinct is what's going to keep them from getting there, but I, I think we're heading for another Phoenix Milwaukee Finals and man, we, if the, I, whenever we get in the final, Seth, I'm gonna enjoy it. Right, I've enjoyed this postseason a lot, um, and I I just as far as Philly and Dallas and Miami and Memphis go, I'm just not taking them serious as contenders and i i think we're heading phoenix milwaukee today what's your prediction for the nba finals matchup i i would agree with you uh, especially the winner last night was probably between milwaukee and boston was going to be well I, I still probably would have gone with milwaukee but um but that played a huge role like i, I just think milwaukee's gonna find a way to win one of the next two games even if it's not game six i think they win one of those two games and I think it's that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give Miami some credit. Um, if there is a way that Miami can win the Eastern Conference Finals, it's the fact that Milwaukee and Boston wore each other out so much that the winner of that series encounters a fresh Miami Heat, and that that would be. I think that's Miami's best chance to make it into the NBA Finals. I mean, like Miami's deep. I don't want to. I was uh, making fun that, you know, Max Strauss is... Yeah, but they uh, just, there's so many guys that are day-to-day or playing through injury. I, I, I don't I don't know that fresh is ever going to be a word we're going to be able to use with them. It, it, like, even when they get some of those guys back, I, I think they're too... I just think they're... I, if they got to the finals, I think that's when the gas tank would really start being on empty for them, honestly. And they, they might get there, but... I don't if if they're in the finals. I don't know that they're going to be able to go as far as a Milwaukee. Who you know, if they, if that was the case, they'd get back Chris Middleton at that point. Like I, I the Heat could they win the East? I suppose could the way could they win the finals? No, I could see Milwaukee yeah. potentially winning the finals. You know what I mean? No, no. If the only way I think I don't think the Heat beat the uh, the Suns. I don't. I, I can't see the Heat beat the Suns. It's the Warriors, which. I think coming into the postseason, and actually maybe I should give Memphis some credit because I, I, coming into the postseason, I thought the the Grizzlies were a contender, but only because Steph was hurt, and it's like all it takes is for one guy on Phoenix to get hurt, and now all of a sudden it's a brand new ball game. And then Devin Booker ended up getting hurt in the first round. It's like, oh my God, like it is. It's just like a brand new ball game. Um, but if the Heat matched up with the Warriors. That would be a really interesting series. I, I, I don't see either of those teams making the finals, but that would be, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, he, if the Heat brought to the trophy. But ultimately, I think it's going to be Phoenix. I think it's going to be Milwaukee. Phoenix has been the best team in basketball all year long, um, and they have the, the skill, the star power, the depth, even the inside scoring uh, to prove it with not only Aiton, but, uh, but JaVale McGee, too, and then Bismack Biombo is giving decent eight minutes a game or whatever it is. Um, 
And then I think with Milwaukee, uh, you know, they're, they're the three seed, but some of that is based on uh, them looking to get that spot to avoid uh, Brooklyn, no matter if they want to say that or not. And then, uh, and then also uh, a part of that is different guys being in and out of the lineup, especially Brooke Lopez, uh, who was out for the majority of the season and, uh, and came back within the last month and a half or month. Um, I think that that's the matchup. And I'm, look, I know it's not it's not L.A. Boston. <laughs> it's not uh, L.A. Miami or anything like that, or Golden State Miami or something like that, but uh, I'm going to enjoy that. Like, I'm going to really enjoy uh, seeing that. And, you know, for me, I, I hope I'm, I think that Phoenix will win it, but I hope that Phoenix will win it too because of Chris Paul and Monty Williams. Seth Lewis has been our guest, sports director, KTC TV3. Seth, uh, some Saints leaks have come out. Not a surprise. We've got all but five of the games. Uh, you know, in, in, in all 272 NFL games, we already knew who and where, but today it's the win, and the win matters a lot right there's advantages disadvantages when is the bye week are you playing your are you a warm weather team or a dome team if so when are you playing the cold weather teams what time of the year are you playing them do you do you have a bye week after monday night game when do you travel when do you have short rest all of that stuff so saints at falcons week one saints versus bucks week two saints at panthers week three Saints-Vikings in London week four. Saints versus Seahawks week five. Saints versus Bengals week six. Short week week seven. Saints at Arizona Thursday night football. Week eight, TBA. Week nine, Monday night against the Ravens. Week 10, TBA. Week 11 against the Rams. Week 12 at the Niners. Week 13, Monday night football at Tampa Bay. Week 14, a bye week. Week 15, TBA. Week 16, at Cleveland on Christmas Eve. Week 17 and week 18, TBA. Now, I know that's a mouthful for me, and you're driving, and you don't have it right in front of you to look at. But your quick thoughts when you hear all of that, what stood out to you? Sounds like a hell of a schedule. Uh, I mean, you know, thank God for the NFC South, right? Uh, I mean, gee whiz. Um, and that's not a phrase that you could utter always, but uh, that, that you know, thank God that the Falcons and the Panthers are on that schedule twice. Um, that's, 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 that's what I got out of that. But, um, I mean, well, for one, and this has kind of been known, but thank God the Bengals game isn't in London, right? Like, what a gas that would have been by the NFL to put that game um away from Louisiana with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and even Lafayette native Tyler Shelvin uh, coming into town, like, that just would have been a problem, but um, but no, I mean, uh, it's an interesting that's three divisional games in a row to start the season, is that right? Yep, Falcons, Bucks, Panthers at Atlanta versus Tampa at Carolina to start the season, and then you're going to London. My guess is they'll probably go to they'll probably fly to London from Charlotte. That's what they did in 2017. They went straight to London following a week three game against Carolina, and they went and took on the Dolphins. So, uh, but yeah, that's your that's your first quarter of the season right there. Three division games and a London quote home game against Minnesota. Uh, have started the season well 
however many years. Like, that's not been the issue that it once was. It hasn't necessarily been that um, uh, for the Saints uh, in this in these recent run of seasons. Um, but, man, is it imperative to start off on a good note, you know. When it comes to, I'm joking about the NFC South, but it, it, it is good to start off on a good note um, and not be figuring it out. Because if you're figuring it out, then you can be behind the eight ball really quick. Um, when it comes to the divisional standings, uh, which which could be important. Now, I know, obviously, uh, the Bucks would be the odds-on favorite to win the division, but you just never know. And, you know, I'd be interested to see where uh, when some of the schedule comes out. Week 14 bye week, that seems like a far way, uh, especially when you talk about uh, we have was there week five. After the Vikings in London, Seth Lewis has been our guest. Seth, final thing for you: um, Cajun softball coming up pregame in less than an hour, right here. We know they're going to be a two seed in a regional, and right now they're just trying to win a conference tournament championship. Cajun baseball. We don't know if they're going to be in a regional. They are close to getting 15 road wins. They need one more. They can improve their RPI this week and take it on number 15, Texas State, who's 38 in the RPI and atop the Sunbelt Conference standings. And then, you know, you, you got some games left against Little Rock and Nichols that aren't necessarily going to going to help your RPI a ton. And, and I think my question to you is, if the Cajun baseball team doesn't win the Sunbelt Conference tournament, are they in a regional in your mind? question Seth have you ever watched a sporting event because of who was calling the game <laughs> um no I don't think so me neither now that's in response to the reports that Fox is now saying it isn't completely accurate that when Tom Brady finishes playing they're going to pay him $375 million over 10 years. 37.5 mil to be a color analyst is crazy to me, even even for Tom Brady. 
because I'm like, look, it's a it's a big get. I I, I understand wanting to have him, but that's twelve and a half mil more than he'll make this year playing you know football and, as the quarterback position and as a guy that's an MVP candidate. Like what? And and I've been saying I don't think anybody watches a game just because of who's calling the game, but. You know, I, I, I got an I got an email um, while you and I were talking from one of my regular listeners, Clay, and he says that he used to feel that way until Tony Romo. He says he he loves Romo and Romo's calling games. He'll watch it to hear him unless you know the Saints are playing on a different channel, right? Like he's he's not gonna you know he's not gonna watch him like overwatching his team. But he says he'll t- I, and and I and I told him I'm like, look, I respect it. You're the first person I know that did that. I feel like you know I, I, maybe if Romo's calling the E game or the D game, I don't know that you would. I think it's because it like I'm I'm watching the game regardless of who's calling now. Is who calling? Is who's calling it matter? Sure, you want to have an enjoyable experience and, and all that other stuff. I get it, but you're not going to say, "Oh, I got to watch this game today because Tom Brady's calling it." Right? I mean, am, am I off on this? Maybe there are very few exceptions, and, and my man Clay might be one of them. But that's why I think, with respect, paying thirty-seven and a half million dollars for for color commentary is that's that's wild to me. Even even for Tom Brady. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I don't, I'm not gonna count anybody's pockets, but uh, look, I, I would, I would, uh, shoot, I would do it for a lot less, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, that, I, I don't know, I don't think that that's gonna make a difference. You know, I, I don't think that automatically bolts them into the number one broadcast or anything like that. Like, uh, to me, uh, when it, and especially not to mention. You're probably paying him to just do that. Like, I don't know if he's going to do anything else uh, other than that. Like, I don't know um, what that necessarily brings value-wise. Like, I'm not – like, let's say a, a Kirk Herbstreit was getting paid. And he – Kirk Herbstreit is paid really well. Um, but if Kirk Herbstreit was getting some astronomical number, it would make sense because it would be like, well, he does the broadcast and he does – um, he does college, college game day. He does the premier college game. He does Thursday night football now without Michaels. I mean, he's doing a lot of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's so that's where that's that is where like I'd be like, oh, can that make some sense? Because he's doing a lot of stuff. Or uh, Stephen A. who doesn't do games but does a, does a lot of stuff. Like it's like, oh, okay, like they're doing a lot. Like no, I'm not tuning in for Tom Brady. I will watch. But I'm watching because of the game. You brought up a great point. Tony Romo's won the A game, so I want to watch the Bengals and the Chiefs. Period. Like that's it's just that's that's an easy. Uh, and Romo's good. Like story. Romo's good. Aiden is good. Collinsworth good. is good. These guys are good at what they do. But it used to be, you know, six and a half mil. You're the highest paid color analyst, and that's that's. And people would say, oh, that's more than enough. Now, uh, a year later. Two years later, Romo Aikman, 18 mil, and then at some point, Brady's going to get 37.5 million. It's, it's wild to me. I don't know. But, hey, good for them. I, I'm, not, I'm not faulting him for it, but it's not like he needs it either. But good for him. Yeah, let me say this too, Scott. Uh, I would say the closest thing to that for me is, uh, and it's not even uh, a commentator on the game, like, like for the game, but like sometimes I tune in the NBA on TNT. Literally oh, just to yeah. watch them. Like, it's not about the basketball. Oh, yeah, it's and about I, the show. I, I would better respect them. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I would better respect them. Like, 
Hey, two nights ago, the we the. You knew it was a bad night of games when the most talked about thing was Kenny and Charles's race to the pro, to the teleprompter, you know, to the screen. Like that was no that a studio show. I said this before. I get it. It's a little different. You know, if, if it's a pregame show on Sunday, you could say it doesn't matter. It does. They're competing against one another, and it doesn't necessarily matter what game's coming on next. Right, yep. broadcasters, yep. you can be the best one, but if if it ain't the the best game of the week, and you're going up against a great game or a game that happens to be your favorite team, it doesn't matter. No, inside the NBA, what you know, whatever they pay Ernie, Kenny, Charles, and Shaq, it's you could argue it's not enough because that's that's the best studio. That has been the best studio sports show of the last 22 years, and. I, you know, I, it's, I mean, I, look, I see, I don't get to stay up as late as I used to, you know, on weekdays, but I used to watch it every time. And usually I wake up early in the morning and I see Seth Lewis tweeting about what happened on inside the NBA and I just start laughing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and they do a great job. I mean, like, the show might be getting better. Like, they just have memorable moments every night from, like, Chuck Ware and the Tyler Hero uh, outfit and, um, uh, I think it was last round when, uh, like, what do you need a ping pong paddle for? It's like ping pong cool, and the balls just come from the seven. It's the best. funny. It's the best. So good. Seth Lewis, he's awesome. He's the best. KTC TV3 sports director. Follow him on Twitter at Seth Lewis Inc. INC, Seth Lewis Inc. And, um, Seth, man, it's great catching up, talking ball. I know you and I could chat forever, but I got to let you get to work, and I need to uh, respond to every individual who has knocked on the glass or emailed me over the last two hours. So uh, I got a bunch of people waiting on me outside the studio, and now they're going to be mad that I'm talking about them on the air, but whatever. I got to do it, right? Hey man, next Tuesday, NBA draft lottery. Where is that Lakers pick in a fall? Because it'll go to the Pels. At least there's a 99.6% chance it will. So something for Pels fans to look forward to on Tuesday. And of course, next season, plenty to look forward to. But yeah, let's let's chat some Pels next time. Yeah, for sure. All the Good best, man. You, Take care, Seth. That's going to do it for the Grace Scott Show. Tomorrow morning, Gus Scott and get live at 7.15. Phone calls and more NFL schedule reaction. We'll talk Diamond Sports, NBA hoops, all of it. We'll get you ready for the week and don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now, now,